All right, Jordan, how are you going? Pretty good, pretty good. Pretty good? That's good. And uh, <laughs> do you know what to say there? Um, well, mm. what can you say? Oh. I didn't give you much, did I? I gave you Awkward the same tale. two words well, Why twice? just pretty good? Why not? Uh, what, how would you differentiate pretty good to good? If you just said, oh, yeah, I'm good versus oh, pretty good. Pretty good sounds like there might be something irking you. Good to me is that ad that used to sell Sun Herald papers when we were kids. And it was just like, it's Sunday, so walking precise. my dog, oh, it's time for a coffee? That, that's good. Okay. Pretty good is now just like, just us together, just sitting here going like, yeah, I don't know, it's all pretty fucked, isn't it? Anyway, you were right, yeah, 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 I'm all right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good is just <laughs> like... Oh, just <laughs> hanging out, bitching. That's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it could be worse. Pretty good. I feel like, yeah, not uh, not bad implies that there probably is something going on, but you're trying mm. to look at the positive side of life. Mm. That's true. Could be worse is a bit better than not bad, but also it's the same kind of thing. And pretty good is just, oh, there's nothing amazing going on, but yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And good is like, yeah, I I'm feeling great. I don't have a disease. Um, good is I'm feeling great. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually because we're Australian, everything's just undervalued. That's yeah, and you wouldn't so never say, say great. amazing. You would never say great. How how are things? Oh, great. Ugh. That's creepy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh man. If your neighbour says that, that's the great. last conversation you have with. They him. are a sex offender for yeah. sure. <laughs> just great, great. <laughs> oh wow! Even <laughs> the way you said that, I've got a shiver great, down great, my great. spine. I don't like that either. You're right. Mm. Well, great, I think that's Grace. Okay, well, <laughs> so the uh, the topic of this podcast is uh, this was your ideas. Uh, direction. Now, uh, my understanding of that is uh, this was talking about direction in terms of the direction people have in their lives. I think the catalyst of this was you were you were at a, a reunion mm. and you could tell uh, the people. And this was a ten year high school reunion. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. And you could definitely tell the people who had some sort of direction over the previous few years in their life versus the people who didn't. Yep, you can. Great. And also on top of that, just as a... Expand. (laughs) Uh, Right, okay, so... It's also from this idea that there's people that are just moving... There's people that are moving... There's this great expression from uh, Brian Tracy which is that if you do not have goals you are doomed to work for those that do for the rest of your life oh that's a it's a good point it is a good point yeah I can see that and I think it's the same thing that happens with most people in life is just the more precise their goals are the more they achieve and the thing is that most people first off they never even try uh, they're kind of aimless. Most, but if, if if someone says to me, "I don't know what I want to do," mm. that is a death rattle to me. That that is a death rattle to having an average life at best, unless you're really hot, and then you might marry a millionaire. But if you aren't a babe, mm-hmm. really, what you need to do in life is actually pick a direction and move towards it. And you would know this from your own life, Neil, as well as I would, because Mm. when we started out, we had a different image of what we wanted for our career. It doesn't matter that we haven't accomplished it. The point is that we, uh, we, we had the image in our minds. Mm. And so the thing is that like you're, 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 you're a, uh, you're kind of a, a victim to your circumstances in the sense that when I first started out, 
wanted to be doing stand-up comedy and just like my, my ideal thought would have just been I don't know oh yeah just being on Good News Week and uh, maybe having a radio show maybe do Sydney Breakfast for three or four years and uh, yeah. yeah you know because that's easy as shit I'll just be better than Kyle and Jackie O and uh, from there just do uh, just do the Carl Barron for the next 30 years yeah. of your life that's Without the thought right but the yeah. thing is that model doesn't exist anymore yeah so the goal changes, but the direction is always there. The direction is there, and 100%. as a result of that, don't you think that what has happened is that because we're in a different circumstance of time, uh, actually what has happened is it is not the same life trajectory as what those people had. And there's worse yeah. perks to it in that there's less people that are extremely successful and have all of the money. Now there's a bigger pool of people that are making the money but the thing yeah, is, they have good, more... That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And it's also... The other thing that I think is even better than that... I'm not even concerned about the money at this point. What I think is amazing now is that... The, the creative freedom is there. Oh, without a that doubt. That doesn't the, exist before that. The uh, potential for authenticity exists far more than it ever did before. Mm. In, and in comedy, more, more than ever. And it's infinite. And it yeah. plays into what we were talking about before, that if you, before the aim was you'd have to get into an agency. And the mm. way that you figure out of how to get into an agency is you just have mm. to play into what their style of comedy is. Yeah. Now that there's the net, you actually find out in the free market of ideas if you are funny or not. That's very to true. A, to an audience. Because the thing is, yes, it's subjective. No one's ever going to be funny to everyone. Mm-hmm. What the mainstream used to try and do is just make comedians that were funny enough to most people. Yeah. Yeah, didn't offend the uh, advertisers. Didn't offend the advertisers, didn't offend huge tracks of people, didn't have a bunch of letters coming in. Radio is a little bit different because kind of there was a few channels and so you could have like a more offensive audience or whatever. Yeah. But what has happened now as a result of that is because we've both been working on skills. We've both been working in the direction of I had this vision in mind, but the thing is that times have shifted, Mm -hmm. that vision doesn't exist. Mm. But we're there. Mm. We're there for the shift. Well, we were able to adapt. We were able to adapt. So the thing is that, like, in life, I think that that's the best way to look at it, is that, like, a a really good metaphor is that a plane, 95% of its time Mm -hmm. is off direction. Yeah. It's only on direction 5% of the time, but it meets its location most of the time, unless there's, like, a terrorist on it or whatever. That's a a great metaphor. Isn't it? I love that metaphor. It, It serves so well, and it's because there's... And and I think that's what most people don't understand is like, first of all, they never even set a direction in life. They never have a goal. They never have a vision of what they want to be. And then what happens is when they start going on to the vision, they, they don't they don't give it its time. I see this all the time. with Again, it's just because I went to the Newtown thing. So I've got a lot of failed band member people that are from my high school that I saw there. Sure. Look, you know, there was some trying to be Nickelback sick goal I guess and then there were some that were trying to be you know just like the Jets or mm. I don't know all these different types Man, of bands or whatever I don't think that's a uniquely Newtown or Inner West uh, concept I just think it might not be as artistic with uh, other areas so <laughs> I've uh, there's so many people I talk to and, and this could be a commentary on the culture of the day in that we are a very self-centered individualistic achievement based culture sure that's a discussion for another time but so many people that you speak to are just in this constant state of perpetual resentment about why they haven't made it or why external factors have uh, 
prevented them from being the thing that they want to be. Whereas what we were talking about before that you just mentioned is that you and I, I think, are, are quite similar in that sense is that we were very adaptable with our goals. Mm. So we could have easily said, oh, you know, we, we haven't made it in radio because X, Y, Z, because we don't have the right image, we don't have the right this, that, that. We went into the internet because, first of all, there were no barriers to entry there. Anyone can do it. Anyone can get on the internet and achieve an audience. It's about, yes, like you said, uh, finding an audience in that massive marketplace of ideas. But mm. the thing that we had we, was that we could change those goals. Mm. We could adapt to our circumstance. Mm. So I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. I never even wanted to be a comedian. I always wanted to be an actor. Well, I wanted to be a comedic actor. But I just thought, why would I want to depend on external factors uh, determining my success? So that would be a casting director or an agent or getting that break, that opportunity, something like that. And I just thought, well, why wouldn't I go on the internet? The internet is the way to go. The internet is the way I can build an audience. And that would be, you know, I had this sort of, these hypothetical rungs in the ladder of where I wanted to get to and that, all right, build the audience number one then become, you know, use comedy to to further that audience and then jump into acting. But then I actually just fell in love with comedy. Mm. And I fell in love with, uh, you know, develop the, the, just an internet presence because you can be everything. You can be so many things on the internet. So, I, I yeah, I 100% agree with you in that having, regardless of whether the goal changes or not, just having that goal there is so important because it just... it gives you direction it just gives you a purpose mm. more than anything ever mm. can and it's the point of aiming somewhere so as a result of that you start building skills in that area because your mind is just focused on it and then it's because human beings brain is just designed as a focus mechanism that's uh, that's all it is right uh it's, it's just yeah. a, it actually is about attaining goals and that's how the brain works. No one really knows how that is, but that's why human beings were so successful. It's kind of just like, go get... F- well, every animal, it, the reason why they are successful is because it's like, go get food, shelter. It has those things in it. Mate. Mate. So that's most animals' things. And then, like, it's, uh, human beings started because they've got a more pliant mind and they can see into the future. Yeah. Um, they started coming up with different goals and more heady goals, and that's why we've mm. just become such a dominant species. It's a lot to do with the fact that we can actually imagine things. Yeah. And actually, you know, like other dogs can, Abstract but the thing is, you can, yeah, but you can control your imagination. So this is the whole thing that everyone always says that makes fun of mm. the the secret or whatever, and they just go like, oh, law of attraction, what a load of shit. No, it's just that the law of attraction wasn't properly, it was, it was a marketed idea. It wasn't, it wasn't the truth of what the law of attraction actually is. Sure. Which is that... The simplistic version does sound very silly. Yeah. But when you actually look into it and, and read into... I don't know much about the, the secret per se, but those sorts of uh, self-help concepts of, you know, thinking about, man, you know, manifesting the success through thought and, mm, mm. you know, having the belief that you are going to make it. That's very... They're very valuable. They're very, very valuable. In fact... It's the only thing that counts at the end of the day is kind of just like whatever image you have in your head, mm. your brain moves towards it. And when I say subconsciously and people go, don't you mean unconsciously? I'm, I'm too uneducated to know. I don't know, so I'm just going to say subconsciously. But the thing is that um, your brain, a lot, of, a lot of what's happening behind you is because you're just having one thought, but your subconscious or your unconscious or whatever is having many thoughts at once. And it is looking for a direction. Most people 
their directions in life would just be like, uh, go to work, go home, watch a TV show that I want to watch now, I'm sleepy. So there is no mm. real direction there that's happening every day. What, mm. what happens when you imagine into the future is, yeah, they, as you say, they put those stupid manifesting ideas of just, uh, sorry, they, they make the idea of manifesting sound kind of magic. And you can argue that it is sort of magic. It, in fact, that is sort of the essence of what magic is, but in, in like a metaphorical sense or whatever. But sure, but it's part of the process as well. It's not the entirety of it. It's not just thinking about it. It's those thoughts then lead to the actions, and then you also need to be very disciplined in the actions you take. Yes, but this is what I think that most people don't do. Most people don't do the thinking part. Most people uh, yeah, kind of just yeah. go through the actions their whole life. And yes, the actions, like your brain, okay, it's like yeah. it's like probably 90% of it, 95% of it. Yeah. 95% of it is actually doing the actions. But you need to be... A, think of the imagination part as being the captain of your ship, right? It's yeah. the one steering it. Like, you need all of the crew in the back making mm. sure that the masts are down and that the poop deck's fine and all that. That's fine. But you need somebody directing it. Right. So the, so what you're saying is there's, there's not necessarily... Uh, if, if you're comparing financially or like you know just successful people to people who just have an everyday job I'm not saying they're not successful but in this realm let's just say that oh, so she's say that. nine <laughs> to five slaves yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily that uh hard work is the only factor that has led to the success it's that hard work towards a very tailored goal is what is determining that success absolutely if anything i you know you hear so many stories about really rich really successful people who don't actually work that long no they often just they palm off a lot of the me you know the meager roles to other people well that's how people get wealthy yeah mostly it's just they because again they have a vision and they're palming off all of the manual labor to other people that's it and so they're just sitting there thinking about where to steer the ship next yeah that is what a ceo does and so when a lot of people say you know like CEOs earn 200 times the amount of what they do. Yes, a lot of that is involved in the corruption of it, and I get that argument, and I'm the biggest proponent of it. CEOs and, and businesses should not be avoiding anywhere near as much tax as they would. Obviously, that's just reprehensible, and is like basically destroying society. But, the, dude, that that role of being able to lead mm. is necessary, and it is... Again, like what we were saying before, like the, the hard work, all of those people combined in the organization, yes, they do the majority of the work, mm. but the most important work is the person with the vision mm. because otherwise there's no direction to it and it all falls apart. And you see this happen all the time when they, like a company replaces one CEO with another CEO and the company just kaput. Mm. It just goes, it, it goes under. It's, it's about, it's a, it, it like and it kind of just the thing that is amazing about direction is that if you are able to discipline yourself to get into the realm of having uh, a constant direction in your life what starts happening is it's that same it's the idea that Jordan Peterson is getting at when people just go oh he's just talking about cleaning your room no that's it's like it's it's a fucking metaphor dude like I, I know Jordan Peterson should probably clarify that but and it's cool that it's a meme and whatever but it, a, a, essentially what no, he's saying no if people are taking that literally there's no no he shouldn't have no to excuse clarify that. no excuse well I mean you know like on a, on a superficial so glance if you just see that and you're not looking into anything he says you're just going to be like what an idiot you know but, but it just shows that you're an idiot because you're not yeah, looking into it exactly <laughs> but, yeah I, I understand that um but 
he, but essentially what he is saying is that when he's saying get your house in order, he's kind of talking about get your mind in order. Now, this, isn't, this yeah. is a point that I talked yeah. about in a Greta Thunberg video as well, right? Which is that, dude, a lot of people with mental illnesses change the world because they have like a different perspective and they can work in a crisis when other people can't. Yeah. If you're manic depressive, you've been in some dark places. So when there's a war happening, Interesting. you are the right person for the job. Okay. It's the same with Winston Churchill. He's an extremely depressed man. But he was the only one that everyone else in Britain in leadership roles was saying, mm-hmm. let's just talk terms with Germany. Yeah. He was the only one saying, no, fuck that. Well, let's fight. How, how, um, would, you, how would you best uh, respond to the people who... Because I found that, I, I, like I was saying before, there are a lot of people out there who seem... And it's sad because I talk to a lot of people who are quite resentful and bitter. You know, I, And they'll say, I do have this direction. I do have these lofty goals. But there, there are these obstacles in my way. There is, there's something that's stopping me. How... How do you how do you help those people? So this is the whole point: is that self help. First of all, as we've discussed before, self help. The reason that you need to read it is because it hypnotizes you into thinking the right way on how to succeed. It is, is they're essentially manuals on how to succeed. So when people say those things, they they're just they're just not indoctrinated in the right way of thinking. They're they're indoctrinated in the way of thinking that their parents have given them or something else like that. But there are people there that are like, I know how people succeed. I've studied success. This is how they think. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that what I think definitely happened with me, I'm assuming that it was the same thing with you, is just like I I had that mindset mm-hmm. that I was going to be successful without a doubt. And yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent. But I'm just I'm. I'm simply just posing arguments here that other people have said to me. When I know, I've I know. said these things. I've heard it. So I've said that sort of things like you just have to have this unwavering belief that you're going to get there. Um, and then people say, well, a lot of people have that, but their businesses still fail. They still might not get to the places they want to go. Yeah. How do you... But did we? Did we get to the right place? No. We, we created something new because that actually is mm. what success is. Because the people at the top, this is what people don't understand. The people at the top and then people just try and replicate to get to that position. But the thing is, that position's already been made. So if you're going to get to the top, you have to kind of just make your own path. Yeah. That's, so that, that's, that's what happens with that. But then also on top of that, yeah, the thing that they say... You can't of, be a copycat. You can't just follow the exact same path someone else took. No. You can follow their recipe, and the thing is oh, that you can, you can take, get... Yeah, yeah. You, you can, can take inspiration from them, and, doubt. and you will get to a certain point, and then at that point, it's kind of uncharted waters. Yeah. And then you've got to move from there. But when people say, yeah, a lot of people have direction, do they? This is the question. So, yes, there was Mm. external circumstances to us succeeding that were beyond our control. For instance, the fact that YouTube exists. Yeah. Huge. Um, And I don't know where I would be now as a result of, of the direction. And you can say that and, like, you know, people say that, you know, my business failed and whatever. And that's true. This is the interesting statistic about business, though, is that the... I th- it's a uh, yeah nine out of ten businesses fail within ten years. I think within five years it's something like seven out of ten businesses fail. Within the first year, half of them fail. That's all true. What's also true is that people that start up their second business, the success rate climbs to seventy percent success. So the people that stop going into business. Mm. They uh, give up and then they move out of the realm and they say, that's not for me, and they go back and get another job. The people that lose in their first business, they go, okay, I'm bankrupt. 
uh, I don't have these resources, but I've learned these lessons. Mm. I'm not going to repeat those lessons again. Mm. I'm going to start up a business and try again. And as a result of that, it's that old saying of uh, the person with experience, when they meet, when someone meets, when someone with experience meets someone with money, the person with experience will get the money and the person with money will get experience. Yeah. A lot of of people out there have taken my money. (laughs) That's uh, that's the motto for prostitution, right? Uh, They've got the experience. (laughs) Um, I was going to say something. I forgot. I lost my train of thought there. But um, yeah, so it's such a, you know, simplistic cliche, but you learn more from your failures than you do from your success. Because from your Mm. failures, you learn what not to do. Yeah. And I know some failures can be so paramount that it can just destroy you. But the mindset that you're talking about is so... It, that's what you can control. If you see a failure as, oh, this is just, I can't do anything now. You know, the external factors have just compounded to the point where it's just impossible to get out of this rut. Versus what, what can I at least do to make incremental steps to move on from this failure? That is the right mindset to have. Yep. And again, it's easier said than done. I've, I haven't had any sort of massive major failures in... <laughs> it's just all been success, man. Uh, no, but I've, there's definitely been times that, you know, there's been ups and downs. Well, the difference with our... Doubt, but I learned so much more. And even just, it comes back to... It always comes back to comedy. But you, you learn more from a bad gig than you do from a good gig. Absolutely. Absolutely you do. And... Uh, yeah, well, look, it is. I know that it is different from people that are kind of just professional communicators because they don't have the startup resources yeah. that people do, say, if they're opening up a restaurant yeah, um, or any business because they'll just need a bunch of angel investors working for them. Mm. So, yes, the thing is that the, the difference with, with uh, people that are comedians, I guess, is that you are going to just be at a baseline of zero until you get successful. You're kind of just going to be like yeah, struggling, struggling, go. struggling, success. Right. Most people, when they come into business and stuff, the, the thing that's going to be really heart-wrenching, I guess, is because it'll just be like a little bit of success, little bit of success, worse off than when you started. Yeah, especially if you've got you know, a family or people dependent, financially dependent on you. Which is why I say this all the time to my audience on the self-help thing and it always like triggers the older ones, but it is true. You've got to do this stuff in your 20s. You have to. Especially, it's not even just the, it's not even just the psychological but It's never too late. People become extremely wealthy in their 80s having an entire lifetime of being poor. That does happen. Mm. And I mean, I look at the people that, like I said, I wanted to be an actor and the uh, traditional route towards that career would have been to go through acting school. And a lot of times you can't even get into acting school straight out of high school. They want people who have a degree life already. Or, yeah, have life experience. And I, so I'm like, I'm 25 now. I know people who have maybe just finished acting school or one or two years out of acting school. They're so new to the industry. Whereas I've got this, and the world has changed so much in those seven, eight years. Yes. Because back then the YouTube audience didn't matter at all. But now suddenly TV shows want people with the YouTube audience. In fact, at, not a YouTube one, but an, an, an internet following would put you in better stead for many acting roles now than a three-year degree. Mm. If it was a very serious Absolutely. role, the degree would definitely be better, but things have just changed that much. Mm. Yeah. Just That's... because and because I didn't want to take that traditional 
and also i just don't think i could do it like acting classes i you know i have like the utmost respect for people who do that it's like, like three the, years of just learning how to breathe yeah oh my god i mean look and i will say like with my hands like hands down when it comes to a very serious nuanced depiction of a character they would do it better than i can without a doubt but when it comes to just generalized acting roles yeah can no, you no talk difference. in front of a camera yeah, exactly. no exactly no they can't actually even even when they've come out of three years of training it is not the same because you're in front of the camera day in day out and so those That's skills it. are transferable and so you just have a confidence level that they don't have like and in fact not just a confidence level a competency level that they have they have so the true, theoretical yeah. idea in their head which then comes down to that other point of just like, you know, for every hour that you're studying, you should be doing three hours of the actual thing that you want to do. Yeah. It doesn't put aside the fact that you should be studying. But this is so true, yeah. Yep, just yep. learning the theory of something is it's not gonna set, it's not gonna put you in good stead compared to the person who's learning the theory simultaneously. Uh, well that's the dream goal. Working in that field. Because I think that as a result of reading a lot of self-help and knowing that that is the formula, I think that now when I look at a lot of other comedians, even ones that are much, much bigger, but purely just because they're in the US really, but like you look at them and you realise there is no theory to that. There's, they, they, haven't, they haven't really studied what comedy is. They've had a lot of experience in it. They've got a lot of confidence and they have a style. That's all true. But there are, like with every field, unbreakable laws that you should be learning about. And I think that it's the same thing with all of these other things as well. It's just like, yeah, you, you want to be... The, the, the breakdown of it is, I think, 80% of the time should be effort, you know, 15% of the time should be study, 5%, mm. even less, 1%. 1% of the time should be vision. But that vision is actually the most important percentile mm. if you break it down. Because with the rest of it, it just doesn't happen. With the rest of it, what like, you see exactly what happened at that reunion over and over again was really with very few exceptions the people that had a vision for themselves accomplished more or less that vision in that 10 years the people that didn't have that vision like you know they're still bartenders they're still and like I'm not putting that down, but I kind of am because really, like, I'm putting myself down when I think about could be, you know, could, ten years. They own the bar, uh, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, they could be doing yeah, like if your vision, if you know, if your goal is to start a family or something like that, and you're working, you know, it doesn't have this doesn't have to be just in the realm of a career per se. You can have no very no. noble goals uh, outside of well, financial gain or career gain. Yeah, you're right. To, to raise good kids is a good goal. Oh. Yeah. Well, so I, think, I think we need a lot more of that. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Such an Oprah Winfrey point. Just being like, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't we it be great? better parents. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, it's true. Like all of this self-help stuff, it's always, you can look at it in the realm of that's smolchy shit, but you could also look at the stuff as like, it's smolchy shit that's true. Sure. So how about, uh, what are some of the actual goals you've set for yourself in life? In life? Yeah. I had the vision board. I had the vision board of doing radio. I, I love the format of radio. Okay. I always really respected that art form. Mm-hmm. Really wanted to do that. Really wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically just all systems go from there. That's pretty much all I wanted. 
Um, Were you political when you started? Well, I did a degree in politics and I knew a lot about politics beforehand. Um, but Did I, you see yourself being a political... No, no, that's oh, absolutely really, that's not what really happened. That's really interesting. So, but the other thing that's really interesting about all of these things is kind of like, again, if you have a direction, all of the other things that happened before that help. Mm. That They'll add to it. So, uh, you know, I can't remember who it is. I think it's the creator of Dilbert. He was just talking about the Scott fact Scott Adams? That, Scott is Adams. Is that it? He's talking about the fact that there's a bunch of different things that he's done in his life that led to Dilbert. As in, he learned how to do legal copy. He learned how to business write, which is basically just a way of clarifying how you're going to write. Mm. And he was saying that all of those things happened when it formulated with Dilbert. And then he also did like uh, a degree in marketing and they, all these different mm. things that all rise. And so first of all, he got the inspiration for Dilbert from it, but he also figured out how to present uh, Dilbert the comic in a way that serious people that put those comics into newspapers would even take it seriously because there's like you know a thousand entrants of new comics every year and they pick like three yeah um and then out of that only like one every five years actually gets like syndicated and becomes a successful hit Mm. and so all of these things help for him to coming to the point of dilbert and so that's the same thing that happened with me with politics i think is that I went into university, started reading self-help as a side thing while I was doing that degree. And then just over time, self-help became my degree. I just didn't give a fuck about the politics part and just focused more and more on the self-help thing. Mm. And then as a result of that, what has happened is the same thing with the people at the university now. Like a lot of those people are in the political system because they got a degree in politics and... Being in the political system, I guess that's good for you and it's a sturdy paycheck of, I don't know, like 90 grand, 100 grand a year or whatever. But now I'm making Damn more it, than that. My tax dollars go these <laughs> bloody public servants. <laughs> what are they doing? Canberra. Sitting in an office doing nothing. <laughs> As we sit in your house. <laughs> well, this we this built it, like, you know, <laughs> we paid for all this. My fucking tax dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, uh, like, yeah, these those people, they know the same things that I say, but their job depends on them not saying the same things that I say. If they said those things, they'd be fired, or they wouldn't get the job in the first place. Yeah, and right. it's because I am in that unique position as a result of actually like reading self help and going, you know what, I want to be a comedian more than I want to be a bureaucrat. Mm, you're free. I'm free. And as a result of the net, that's 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 true. Freedom. But it's also just the fact that all of these skills converge and I had that vision in my mind. And as a result of that, I started realising that, you know, I know things about politics. Maybe I should be entwining that into comedy. And so as a result of that, I built an audience. Like mm. these things all started intertwining. That's all true. Yeah. But it's the main thing is that like I got most close to where my vision was in my life. Yeah, man. And I, I think... That uh, sort of ad- the ability to adapt is something I can see that is lacking in a lot of the people that I was talking about who seem to be very resentful and bitter that they haven't gotten to where they wanted to go. Yeah, they can't. They can't seem to 
change those goals based on the circumstances. It's which, always just which oh, this is say, the traditional route to do are, it. This is the you. only way to do it. That's you in a nutshell. But keep going. But like that, you are an extremely adaptable man. But like that, that that's oh, what you. I I always saw that in your work. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate that. <laughs> but sorry, keep going. Keep well, so going. are you clearly? Yeah. No. But like this I is, had this to... is all uncharted territory. No, that's true. Being but I... on the internet and doing what we do. Yeah. So we, by nature, we're going to have to be adaptable. The, the people who come after us might not, they might be, but they might not be as adaptable because they've seen us do it. I mean, me, even we, like, I looked up to people like Shooter and Superwog and those sorts of guys. So, yeah, but I'm not thing... trying to say I completely, you know. No, but you, you try I'm the James, different We're the James and... Cook. They were the Abel Tasman. They got here first. Yeah, they got there first. They were. We were like, we're the po- <laughs> No, they're still killing it. <laughs> Yeah, we are. We're the second fleet. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, sorry, sorry, continue. It's just uh, that, that point just hit me then. It's just mm. like as an example of adaptability, that's you. Mm. But keep going again. And a really big thing if you don't have some sort of long-term goal is that, well, what do you what do you aim for? What do you live for? You live for hedonistic pleasures. Exactly. And, and that's... you see it and you see and And the thing that can be quite sad and unfortunate with particularly with our culture and with sort of what what you could call youth culture is that from, I don't know, say age 15 to 25, and even though I know people who are older 25 and still, you know, still value that more than anything, is that, and it could be an Australian thing tying into the tall poppy syndrome, but the sense of confidence that people get for living that hedonistic lifestyle because it's seen as the socially popular and, you know, it's the thing to do, it's the cool thing to do can really be detrimental to the people who do have the long-term goals because they, if they're not, if you're not really convinced that this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it, you could easily fall prey to that peer pressure mm. and just become one of them. Mm, mm. And I've and seen that as well. And that's the easiest route as well. It's so attractive. Yeah. It's very simple to put a pill in your mouth. Like all of that moves that way and you're oh, right. Man, you're just not like a, you don't know about the pills, uh, the pill scene, man. Like, <laughs> You don't just put the pill in your mouth, bro. I don't know. There's probably it's a lot of a lot of people who it. listen who do pills and are going to yeah, be yeah. It's, it's a constant. <laughs> That's something that we through. actually do. I think we're we're pretty anti. Oh, I'm less anti-drug than you are. I think. And that's the thing. I, I keep having to check myself out on that as well because <laughs> there is a huge component of my audience that are druggies. <laughs> yeah. And look, the thing is, I as I've said in in my self-help channel, I do. No, I don't think, like, we're not, we're not, I don't think it should be illegal. Well, I don't think, I don't think, I definitely don't think weed should be illegal. I don't think the psychedelics should be illegal. Definitely, like, some of those hard drugs, yes. But it's more just whether or not you you do do it. it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the question. And the thing is that, again, if you want that direction in life, you can't. But the thing that's really cool about that direction as well is that if you were able to discipline yourself at that young age to aim for something bigger Hmm. and you move towards that goal... You actually end up reaching that goal most of the time. And then what happens is because you've, what, what the, the other thing that self-help always teaches is a lot of people just think in cycles of like, you know, what am I doing next month or I, I want to go to this holiday or something like that. Or maybe they'll just mm. be like, I had these like uh, yearly goals. I need a these holiday. These New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I need a holiday. Uh, the uh, oh, I'll, Yeah, I'll say, go on. But I've got something to say about that. Uh yeah, like New Year's resolution goals. Those New Year's resolution goals, at the end of the year, they go, oh, well, I didn't achieve this shit. You know, goals don't work. But what you really should be looking at is 10-year cycles. Yeah. Because when you look at 10-year cycles, actually what happens is pretty much the life that you imagined 
you end up living. And that's a very, very confronting thought. Even for someone like me, who people always come up to me and say, how did you get to where you are? I always think, dude, I didn't aim high enough. And like the next 10 years, from 30 to 40, I'm Mm. aiming way higher. Mm. It's, it's, I, I think that that's what... Those are the big... Those are... Uh, important career years I think 20s so 20s are sort of You know You're figuring yourself out You find <laughs> Gotta find yourself man But then 30 to 40 Is where You really separate The people who Definitely had the direction And Yeah And didn't I think Yeah Well I think that that's like It's it's pretty self evident In the statistics as well mm. That that's where People start Really start Because What happens in your 20s is it kind of forms into are you going to be a leader and then in your 30s and 40s you kind of train you you move up for leadership and then in your 40s and 50s you're a leader but the the, the leadership comes from experience at that point because you've gone through all the trials it's very true but you're kind of leading yourself in your 20s and then in your 30s and 40s you're leading organizations that's what you should be moving for so how would you respond to someone who might be listening to this conversation and say oh this is a very materialist you know commercial view of uh, success and and you know finding happiness in those sorts of financial achievements and business achievements uh that's not a well first of all it's not morally healthy to have that sort of an outlook on on life and we should be finding happiness within ourselves you know in spite of our financial and materialistic circumstances what would you say to someone who might say something like that first of all you're talking to me i am not motivated by money i am a hundred percent motivated by trying to change democracy or at least explaining the okay. situation of what democracy is in. Mm. I'm very, very passionate okay. about the environment. Yeah. Like the, 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 the thing that's is, very, that's very true. But the thing is that like, if you, I don't think I would be in the position that I am now where I am able to explain those things and actually impact changes i can i can raise huge amounts of money for organizations now that i like yeah because of my influence right Mm. and i can shift votes you need to play the game to change the game you need to play the game to change the game Mm. but on top of that i would not have been in that position if i didn't have the discipline to have like a, a direction and then focus on it in the first place yeah and so you know this whole thing this whole idea that uh materialism just breeds more materialism. That is true in people that have like a, a you know personality disorders and stuff, and they they haven't really figured themselves out. And that's why I'm like very happy to hear that you're always reading these self help books because I think that they make you as a person more solid. And so a lot of things that a lot of people always deal with of like you know I've, I've got depression, I've got anxiety. A very very small amount of the population actually has those things. It's it, most of the time they're just shitting themselves. They're just they're saying it because it gives them an, an out, you know, of like not having to improve themselves. But it's always the same circle. It's just like the circle of influence starts with you. You have to be able to control and discipline yourself. Then you can influence and control the people around you. That's what then clean you, your room actually means. That's what clean your room it's means. It's not about literally cleaning. I mean, yes. it, 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 that would it be is part literally of it. about cleaning your that room. That would be part of it. Sure, yeah. but he's saying it starts with cleaning your room, and he's not even saying clean your room. He's he's actually just using that as like if you've got nothing else, if there's nothing else that you mm, control. That's the space. Yes, there is. Sure. There is something you can control. You can clean your room. Yeah. This is, yes, that's the space you're in control of. You have to look at what you're in control of. Yeah. Because you can, you can, uh, you know, criticize the, the, the industry or the, you know, the world, but what can you actually control? 
Exactly. That's your little piece that you can start to change. And then if that starts to change, then the people who that influences, they, that, that can change them. And they can go and change other things. It's just a flow-on effect. And I, yeah, I, I truly subscribe to that when I look back at it now because honestly, I see a lot of other young people like commenting on politics and whatever. And it, it look, I said the same shit when I was that age, but like, dude, it makes me cringe. Like it's just so simplistic, and it's it's uh, it's like not grounded in anything, and they don't actually understand what they're saying, and like the they they can't even diagnose the problem properly. Okay. They don't have the skill set. They don't understand what the lay of the territory is, and mm. they're just saying things. Okay. Around it, and so I I understand now when old people are kind of just like. It like really irks them when there's young people saying like you need to change and stuff like that, and it's like <laughs> we do sound yeah, like I, baby boomers here, don't we? Like, it is really this generation that <laughs> no, they have no direction. But that's the thing. Like, I, those you know, boomers I fully subscribe to. Yes, but then at the same time, how much direction do those boomers, boomers have? have? Yes, like what you're talking about is like a, a very educated, sophisticated boomer. This is why someone like Jordan Peterson, you can't, you can disagree with some of his points and you can find inconsistencies in what he's saying, right? But there is like a, there is, and, um, but there, there is a lot of thought into what he's saying. Sure. So like the, the criticisms that you have of him are like nowhere near as big as the criticisms that you could have of someone like Steven Crowder or something like that, right? There is a very, there is a very educated and on top of this, I will say this as well. I think when I look at him now, he's a very creative mind. Yes. He's a very educated, well, a creative, intelligent to, mind. Yes, there's a lot more nuance to what he says than yeah. someone like... I like... I think Crowder, you know, he's he's entertaining. Yeah. But there's a... It's more of a... It's different. It's, uh, <laughs> we'll just say that. It's not uh, academic. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely not academic. Yeah. And so I think that's... Yeah, all of that plays into it, though, is just... Like, and I think that the reason that he is so successful and became so successful so quickly is because he is a psychologist and he doesn't look down on the principles of self-help. And so he does train things like vision. And mm. so, you know, he might not be the flavour of the month at the moment anymore and he never will be again, but he's made an extremely solid career for himself sure. very quickly. Yeah, and he's not those sorts of self-help uh, ideas that he's articulating are not unique to him no the way he sort of intertwined that with some christian theology and things like that is and and sort of adapted it to the to a very uh modern understanding of the world that's very unique yeah and that's a voice that no one's ever heard before no and on top of that because he is a psychologist he knows how to uh market his message to different you always see this like when he's talking on fox news he's got a completely different demeanor to when he's talking Mm. to the abc right he knows how to play different audiences because he is a psychologist and he's mm. able to you know move them to that message that he wants them to hear mm. and yet all of that comes from skill and you're right all of it comes from hard work but as, as anyone will say it is because he wanted in fact this is I know that this is his goal and this is the same thing with all of them like maybe when he was like in an undergrad or whatever, he was thinking, how do I get an internship? And I'm sorry, not an internship. Like, how do I get a scholarship or whatever? And he's very self-focused or whatever, but there becomes a point. And I know this with you as well, right? Like there is a point when you get enough money and unless you have uh, a psychological problem, Hmm. enough is enough. And then after that, you kind of just, 
your interests expand into other fields and you want to do things that aren't related to money That's for very, yourself. Yeah, if you, it's, it's, it's a self-defeating prophecy in a way because to not worry about money, you need enough money to have financial freedom. Yeah. So you almost need to go for money first, but then have that financial freedom to then not worry about money. But what often happens is in going for money, you become like a commercial or you know something where you have to sort of stick to that and you don't actually get to your vision, mm, mm. Which, can be, uh, which can be an issue. Which is an issue, but I don't think is an issue for people. That's that's what's the exciting thing about now is that there has never been a more exciting. Uh, there has never been a better time to have a vision because you're right. Mm. Previous entertainers would have to have just remained to a shtick if they even made it, and in a lot of ways, that would probably be even worse than making it. It sounds like a complete and utter hell for me to just be like doing this same clown dance for 40 years. Oh, zany, wacky clowns. That's how most uh, people who are definitely like the, the generation older than boomers, but boomers as well, that's how they still perceive comedians, I think, for the, especially yeah, in Australia. I absolutely do. Like, hey, he's a zany, he's a clown. Give us your they best do. lines. Don't, tell, don't try to say anything. Yeah. Then again, there's like the bastardized, the other extreme, which is like, just say things and don't actually be funny. Anyway, I don't want to, we always, I always go, we always end up bitching about comedy, but. Um, well, that's, the, I think that that's more of an our generation or maybe a boomer thing, but that's, but that's a modern invention. The fact that, it, and I think that that actually is a good problem yeah. because the thing is that the role of a comedian was always to be the jester as in they were the ones that were able to criticize the king without getting beheaded yeah so they, they would still subvert those opinions underneath the veil of clownish behavior yeah and so i still think that's the most uh that is the 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 best comedy and commentary together when you when it's subversive Particularly when we're talking about sort of characters and things like that. Mm, mm. When it's not, if you're not just sort of, because you could see the comedians that, or even just art in general, where it's like when you're telling the audience how to think. It's different. It's very different if you're doing commentary. But if you're, if you're creating, if you're, you know, a narrative or something like that, if you're just telling the audience how to think or exactly what the subtext is, then it's just not engaging for me. Mm. Dumbing down the audience. It's like it, definitely the highest... The highest form of comedy, I think, is uh, to to explain the opposite opinion to what an audience would hold in a digestible way. And the way that you do that is, yeah, exactly what you're pointing out. Look, I can't talk because I'm the biggest fucking preacher there is in the, in the, but that's in the why Australian I'd say, escape. Yes, but, but like, you do, like, when you do that, it's... It's commentary. It's not. Yeah, it's commentary. It's if not you that. weren't preaching, that would be weird. It wouldn't be authentic. No, that's the difference. If you weren't going hard with that sort of stuff. But I do. Won't work. No, but I do appreciate, and I think, and I think it is definitely true, and that's why, I I really think that the highest, uh, the, the obviously everybody thinks this, but it's just it's so self apparent. The best piece of comedy ever written was the simpsons because it was able to do oh, that. oh yes it was able to do that 100 percent, wasn't it in such a clever way first nine seasons then it went downhill well but... i mean that goes without saying doesn't it like it's just oh, if you look at fuck it, me now. dead now although apparently the really recent seasons have actually taken a Picked bit of an upturn yeah they're not and i looked 
imagine that like season one to nine was amazing then you had 15 no you had like 18 seasons of just crap then you finally have a good yeah. season. It's okay. <laughs> Five out of ten. It's actually good. Like, yeah, I think it was season 27 or 28. I watched a few episodes and I thought, this is, this is not bad. See, that's, yeah, look, not a great review, is it? Very different style not to those bad. original first seasons, but <laughs> also the bar's been set so high by them. That's true that's... as well. And then, you know, like the, on top of that, they, they don't give a back. shit about it. But the... the... Yeah, then it just became a money-making exercise. Eventually. Then it became a money-making exercise, but mm. um, well, yeah. that's a, that's a perfect example of them. The original creators, whether they weren't a part of it anymore, but the, I can only assume they lost their, that the vision wasn't there anymore. No, well, that's I mean, the look, vision just became let's just let's just cash in. They've it's everything. Every every like uh, history of what happened to the Simpsons, it's always that. It's always just the main, and it was mostly yes. A lot of writers left, but why did the writers leave? Because the pro, the main producers started losing interest, and they started mm. getting other things, and so they were just like, ah, I don't give a shit about it. And so the writers were just like, no one's fighting for my jokes anymore. Like everyone's just kind of doesn't give a shit about this project anymore, yeah. and then they started to dissipate. Sad. So, so it is sad. Although they're all multi multi millionaires. So. Yeah, but the thing is, that's. That's what I'm saying, right? And obviously, yes, the, the Simpsons gave so, our generation a gift. Mm, um, got to discipline yourself to always have that vision and and be introspective enough to constantly refine that vision uh, to make sure it's not being tainted by, you know, immoral uh, influences. Well, this is the other thing as well. The the problem with the Simpsons is that yes, that's true, but they had no they had to fight constantly with executives. So they had the problem that we were talking about before. But on top of that, the upside of it was just by sheer luck, there was a bunch of very creative people in the same room and they had the money and resources to propagate that. Now you don't have that. So now the game has shifted. And that's what we're talking about mm. when, you know, the, the completely different uh, environment in that you will never get a product that is as good as The Simpsons because... You can have the funniest human being on earth if they don't have other people to pad off of. Yeah. They're not going to know which of their this ideas are gem. time, no. Yeah. In another, you know, 20, 30 years, things could change. Things could change. In fact, you know what? Like, dude, Jake Paul could fucking bankroll his Simpsons if he wanted to. For sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it would be, be so but, good. You know, someone <laughs> someone associated with that sort of YouTube crew that has made a lot of money could be very clever and bring together a group of people that do it. You never yeah. know. And he did with Team Ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're actually I don't watch any of that. Like I don't I only I know them by name, but I don't know any of that YouTube drama at all. Well, I tried looking into it because I was uh, look. This is the other thing that I'm always doing now because now I've just realised that my whole world is you got to be a probably YouTuber. should be yes, it probably should be worth it. W- it would be worthwhile for me to have at least some sort of basic knowledge of what's going on with the really successful YouTubers. But I do understand it now, and it is because it is essentially they've. It, it's amazing what they've done is how there was that entire industry of Who magazine and Hello magazine constantly just going like, oh, is there a royal row? Uh, Beck and Leighton finally, is this the time? Even though we've said that 
500 times since they've been married. Is this the time that they're going to get divorced? All of that stuff was happening. But what they've done is they've made themselves the celebrities of that and made themselves their own publishers of their own drama. That is how they've... It's it's both sad and clever at the same time. You have to admire it. You have to admire it. Because, yeah, but that's how like a, a giant global market like that would work because... Even if people are paying uh, 10 minutes of their interest to, to a topic like that, because millions and millions and millions of people are doing it, the, the, you know, the economies of scale in terms of the advertising would just make oh. those people multi-multi-millionaires yeah, yeah. for like 10 minutes of drama. <laughs> wow. We need to start a Australian new, uh, internet drama. YouTube beefs. Because yeah, that's what the other thing is. A we're, lot calling of out, we're calling out Luke and Lewis. Yeah, let's do it. Let's call them out. <laughs> Hacks. You're not shit. <laughs> we'll fight you. We'll do a fight. We'll do a tag team. You know how Logan Paul fought KSI? Damn. Okay, yeah, let's challenge tag them to team. boxing. You can, you, can take on, um, you can take on Lewis. I'll take Luke. See, Lewis, I I, just because he's the reach there, like exactly, and I'm, I'm not a that. short guy, like that guy, his reach doesn't matter how many skills I might have, but it would be dude, hard. I'm I could s- I'm just s- have to rely on him being tired out and being fitter, hopefully. All right, so that's your strategy, is it? To just run well, away from him I'm actually taking this ring. seriously. I'm like, <laughs> how can I beat it. Lewis in a box? Fight <laughs> Luke and Lewis. <laughs> I hope they're listening. They're, they're, they better tweet about this if they're listening. <laughs> but you know what's really Still calling them I really out. hope they don't listen to this podcast because they, they both would just be like, yeah, all right, let's do it. They Fuck, would dude, actually, I wanna, yeah. I don't actually want to fight them. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because they do their studio. You do your studio in some nice city apartment. Their studio is in some, uh, yeah, you know, it looks like, like they, they, let me put it this way. Right next to them is a junkyard dog. Says everything you need to know. Just really? as soon as you go past this bad fence, boys. there's this rabid Rottweiler just like. <laughs> They're bad boys. Damn. They they are in a place that before that was harvesting U- Ukrainian prostitutes. It's this old warehouse. He's it's... a Frankston. I'm pretty sure he's a Frankston boy, Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Like, or one of the yeah one of the like lower class Melbourne suburbs. He feels it as well. He's he, like that is his home. You can tell that he's at home yeah. there. All right, we it's we uh, we take back that offer. Uh, we will not fight them. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, Luke and Lewis. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You're both awesome, and you, we we don't even need to go in a fight. You guys win. Fair enough. <laughs> we concede. <laughs> we already concede. How fast was that oh, YouTube wow. beef on you? <laughs> We're such pussies. <laughs> Well, that's but direction, sad. and they look no, they're perfect. Exa- like they are examples of people who have great direction because they, um, well, someone like you know, they they've come from the same comedy scene as well, but they've gone their own way. It, it, again, it just comes back if you're doing something outside of the norm, those are the people that have direction, and you know that they might not succeed immediately, but they've got the right mindset for success. Yep. Absolutely. How do you, I want to ask you because, you know, university, I didn't actually, I did a semester of economics at Sydney and mm. I dropped out. So I had a, I'm a non-tertiary educated. 
person of color statistically should be in jail. You know how it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, what is the value of a, a degree? I've always thought, particularly in industries like media and, and journalism and things like that, the value of a degree now seems almost obsolete. It is. It doesn't give you the employment guarantee that it that it used to. And now there are so many universities and so many people who have degrees, it devalues the, the, the actual degree. Because before, I don't know what the actual percentage was, but I can only assume in the you know earlier parts of the 20th century, only a very small percentage of people would go on to university and, and mm. get a degree. So then the value of a degree to employers was uh, greater than what it might be now when like every second person has a degree. Mm. So I think there's a, in general, no, you shouldn't go to university. What you should go to is the university library. And you should be reading books in the fields that you're interested in from that library because it's mm. just an incredible resource. You just realize after a while that any books that you see at the airport or at Dimmicks, any of those books, even if they're in the nonfiction section, they, they might as well be fucking goosebumps. Like most of them are terrible. Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> That's what I read. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And look, I was there I as well. But what happens, and I found a lot of airport books that I started reading in the library, but after a while, you just get more sophisticated, more nuanced, precise ideas, obviously, from academics. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I don't think that it was a good idea that I went to university. I think the only reason that was, it was good for me is because I went to another country where they didn't know where English wasn't the primary language, so they mm. didn't know what Life I was learning. Experience. You found yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I realised I had yellow fever. That was about it. <laughs> there you go. But the thing is, um, they, they, they also, but yeah, there, it was just, there was a university lecturer that didn't have to follow the syllabus because they, they didn't mm. know what the syllabus was because they weren't, couldn't speak English. And so he actually taught me how the world works. Yeah. But most of the time, no. Most of the time, university is just an indoctrination factory. Mm. I don't think that there is any use to it. I think that there's use to the. I think there's use to the <laughs> library there because all of the voices, all the voices that they're silencing out that they don't want you to know, they just go, "What are you talking about? He's in the library, and he is in the library, but he's just in this dusty little area that you have to fight a giant spider to get to." And wow, I like that, man. I like that. Coming yeah. out with the anti-PC opinions there. It's a, it's a- <laughs> Bloody indoctrination <laughs> factory. factory. It's, that's what it is. Um, you, you, you know Jonathan Haidt, right? The guy, yeah, I know the name. Uh, yeah, so I read that there's a book. Well, it probably would be in the nonfiction section of <laughs> the library. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The, um, the yeah. Coddling of the American Mind. And he yeah. talks a lot about this sort of stuff. Uh, a big, uh, a big premise that he touched on a lot. Uh, someone, it's co-authored by Jonathan. Someone else. I should, act, Greg. Someone should actually give a lot of credit to him as well because uh, I'm sure they wrote fifty percent each. But right. anyway, who good, cares? It's a good book. Um, stuff him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's two things that when you were just talking there that uh, I just remembered from that book. So the first one is when we talk about direction and things like that, and touching on what we were talking about before, which is. Um, people who have the mindset when uh uh you know a setback or a failure happens uh that this is a this is a gift or this i can learn from this this is a challenge for me to overcome is really important if you're going to be successful Mm. and that's something that with not just in a university context but with the way we're bringing up children in this day and age it's so you know we, we we avoid any sort of bad 
uh, emotions, any circumstances that could be potentially dangerous, we take the kids out of. We just don't, you know, we don't, <laughs> as, as bogan as it may sound, we need it. We don't, we're not toughening the kids up. Yeah. And there's no really harsh yeah. situations that they're going. And that could be like another symptom as to why there are so many mental health. Uh, concerns that particularly our generation has. I think a lot of it has to do with social media and also because it's sort of culturally just the thing to do, the thing to have. And it's also because we're able to talk about this a lot more, but it's because we're just not used to going through tough times and tough circumstances. Yeah. And I'm, I have, you know, I never gone, I've never gone through a war or anything really. We didn't even go terrible. through a recession. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and so that, um, that is not conducive to that mindset, which is, you know, no matter what happens, I have this vision that I am just going to fight tooth and nail for. Because it order, it, it, if you're not used to going through those tough and challenging circumstances, you're not going to be don't. able to, to handle that. And then the other thing he talked about was just like the over-bureaucratization of the university. There's so many staff now that, I don't know, because I've only spent a semester in a university, but I don't know, you tell me if this is true, but there's just so many staff and so many the supervision and the rules are just so much more than they were even 30, 40 years yeah. ago. And I, because American colleges would be very different. They often live on campus and things like that. So there's a whole lifestyle factor. But um, he talked about how that can be very damaging to just, it's just the general life experience and, and, and knowledge that someone can achieve when going and going to an institution like a university. Because it's just so formulaic and structured to the point where, it's not conducive to it's conducive to learning you know what the, the the normal things that you'd learn in that particular subject but not for sort of expansive thinking and which, thinking is the, which is of, supposed to exactly, be the point yeah exactly i understand that yeah and also on top of that it's become a lot more of a professionalized thing of just trying to get you into a role that they want you to get into which is yes look universities in the 1700s or whatever was kind of just like the, the whole point was to create geniuses now yes it's because it was for the upper engineers. class who already had uh, money so yes we can battle out our ideas here <laughs> yeah. at oxford <laughs> Whereas now, yeah, it is the parents are paying so much money that we just want to guarantee our kids get a job. And mm. you want to, you want to, if you're the university, you want to have the safe option there. And you can't guarantee sure that, that anymore. You can't. And see, this is the whole point that we keep getting back to: is just so like, don't go to uni. <laughs> I don't think so. I really don't. Like, for me, it would depend. Like, if you're going to be an like an engineer, for example, yeah, those sorts of skills, I don't. But that's because I don't you know need the piece of paper. Can, how self-taught can you? Are there any sort of self-taught engineers out there that can actually design a bridge or something? I don't know, but I, I would... This is what I'm hazarding a guess from, right? And I, it's just because I know the area of politics and obviously this is not a very mathematical yeah, world. So poli- so yeah, like, politics and arts and things like that yeah, That's all very different. different. But I'm imagining just because, you know... People like Isaac, uh, sorry, not Isaac Newton, people yeah, like Einstein right. and stuff like that, yeah. they were working in the realm of mathematics yeah, and things. Right. And it's just because they didn't have that conventional education mm. that is a result of that. But they were just interested in the subject. And so they read about it. And so they thought about it in a unique way. That's a good point. That's a good point. So I think it's always just boils down to the same thing. It's just like, first of all, you have to just be self-taught the skills that you want and eventually you accumulate enough skills out of life that you have a very unique 
set of skills that you can offer the world. Yeah, do a couple of years uh, as a carpenter first, then become a tra- then become an engineer. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do some real work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can't talk. That is real. Honestly, like tradesmen do real work. They do do real work. You cannot deny that. No, it's true. Like, yeah. There's very real visible work that they're doing. They're completing. It's very noble. It's very honest. And the other thing What are we doing? Just talking into a microphone. And and also talking about how hard you have to work. (laughs) So true. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but it's so true. Anyone who when actually we, works hard would be like up again? too tight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 10? ten. I think it was ten. <laughs> Everyone had been at work it for an hour. Um, but yeah. work smart. That's what it is. Well, it's a, it's a different time. That's the whole point. Is like, yeah, okay. If you're going to be a tradie, yes, you're going to make a lot of money and stuff. But really, the people that make a lot of money in this day and age are people that use their mind effectively and they use it uniquely. Because again. Most jobs are getting mechanized, and so it's, yeah. there's no... Well, I, I, I think, ironically enough, uh, the next wave of, um, you know, m- uh, machines taking over human labor will be white-collar, like really low-level white-collar jobs. Yeah. Because that's all pattern recognition and just following a script. Mm. So AI will be able to do a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. In another... They say in another... Not that long. Like accounting... In another ten years, no, they kind of they, really YouTube is giving you the hint as to what is going to be the realm of tomorrow, which is essentially education. That's going to be the last thing that human beings are going to be involved in. It's just that basically you have to get become an expert in some field and then educate them in that way. Now, comedians, interesting. Comedians are kind of in this weird point because they they're sort of teachers in a way. In that they, they say that comedians are the philosophers of. They're like dumbass philosophers. They They're are like the pop pop philosophers. Pop philosophers. That's so. In true. The same way rock bands in the seventies probably had a lot of political uh, themes to what they were expressing. I would say that's kind of what comedians are today. They're not yeah. really. They don't go any into any real academic depth, but they touch on uh, academic subjects vaguely with their with their <laughs> <laughs> with their. Uh, because they've got the time to Brands sit there did. and think about it for a long time. They, it just seems a lot smarter than like what other people who don't think about it that much have. Mm. That's really what it is. But look, again, they're sort of, yeah, in a way, they're, yeah, they are a pop philosophy. So they're still offering that kind of educational service mm. of sorts. But you see it over and over in YouTube. What are the big channels? Yes, there's those ones that create drama. That's true. Most of the ones that have like a long shelf life, they're the ones that have created sort of an education flair to it. You know, history channels, science channels, all of that stuff. I do watch a lot of those. Yeah, you would. The space, I watch space channels. (laughs) (laughs) I watch politics too. I mean, yeah, you look, I I think a lot of politics, I think. It's 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 a very self-explanatory thing that like there's a there's a big market of those people that want yes. to learn those subjects. So mm. it's look th- that's the way of the future if you have to put it into those contexts. But again, I think it's just a thing. If you have a direction, you're going to end up somewhere in life. If you don't have a direction, you're not going to yeah. end up anywhere. Absolutely, I agree. I'll just add one one thing. I think uh, 
you know, when you're older as well, you, you, you develop a respect for education because if you've just come out of high school, you're doing it because you have to do it yeah. more often than not. Yeah. I have to do I've got this assignment to do. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. Whereas, yeah, the people who are watching these videos on YouTube, reading books, we just want to learn. Mm. And we're yearning to, mm. wanky as that sounds, a yearning for knowledge. Yes. Oh, yes. Because it's better than watching <laughs> the blog. It's more stimulating. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't learned shit from watching the block except for like, yeah, she got cams all right. Some of those reality shows, I will admit, can be a really interesting case study in in human uh, psychology. Love Island. Yes. Yeah, Love Island, The Bachelor. But at the same time, that could just be my justification for just being entertained by the drama of it. I don't know. Yeah, neither do, neither do I actually. But you know what? Actually, I will say this: reading a lot of books on relationships and um, just like pick up and then watching Love Island, it is very interesting watching it and then kind of like applying that while you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, we're like the nerds sitting so and watching nerdy. it. Like, oh, we could we could do that. Whereas those guys are actually just doing, doing it. it. Yeah, they're just picking up hey, on babe. live TV. <laughs> wow, better to make out. And uh, all right, I think it's a good to, to conclude this. Uh, yeah. A good direction would be to watch Love Island. <laughs> yes. Have yes, direction. Start with that. <laughs> Clean your room. Yeah. Uh, bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>